Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Thursday, PFTOT, Chris Sims' birthday, PFTOT. And we're still making you work overtime, Chris, even though it's your birthday. You can eat your cake later, baby. And and we're going to start as we... As we do, how did you how did you feel your birthday show went? By the way, I, happy I, with it? Were you happy with the little the little tricks and the little the little oh, gimmicks I we had for you? Some of that was very funny and embarrassing. It was really good. Uh, it flustered me at the start of our seven o'clock hour because I know when we got into that Jadeveon Clowny segment, I blabbered and couldn't finish thoughts or anything. But uh, I got back on track. I got focused, and now I'm on to Cincinnati. And, and I will say this: I will say this. Two years ago. You used to do that all the time. Oh, now, you rarely do it. Okay. I mean, you really have improved. Thanks. It's like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get. Although some people, they get to a level and they never get any better no matter how long they keep doing it. I'm kind of at that point. But, uh, yeah, I, it was funny because it took me back to two years ago when I would be sitting here saying, when is this guy going to shut the hell up? <laughs> so, uh, so it was fun. It was yeah. a little nostalgia. Okay, little good. Nostalgia. Good. All right. Uh, let's get right to it, and then we'll shut up for the rest of the day. NFLPA looking into the Cowboys directly dealing with players cutting around the agents and this is amazing they've done this for years and it's never really been a thing until yesterday when I saw Mike Garofolo of NFL Network kind of bravely very uh, throwing throwing one of the owners of the network under the bus by saying yeah these guys are notorious for dealing directly with players and, and I don't think people realized in part because the Cowboys have been so blatant about it, that it's a problem. Yeah. That the agent who represents the player is the representative of the NFL Players Association, certified by the union, regulated by the union. You can't go around that person and go right to the player and say, ah, forget about that guy. That guy's just trying to complicate things. We don't need a third party involved in our affairs. We can work this deal out directly, and then we got to pay the guy 3%. You're better off without an agent altogether. I mean, the, the, the owners would love the players to not have agents. Of course agents. they would. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys act like some of them don't have agents, apparently, Chris. No, I know. And, you know, just as much as the owners would love if the players, you know, negotiated, uh, man, the players would love if the owners played football. They really would. Ooh, Ezekiel it would be really awesome if Jerry Jones was playing defensive tackle for most teams. You know, that's, again, I respect this, that Jerry Jones has these relationships with his star players. It's really cool. You could tell the players love Jerry Jones and Steven Jones because they do feel like ownership's in their corner maybe more than other football teams. And it does look that way to me on the outside looking in. But at the end of the day, I mean, come on. I mean, the agents are schooled at this. They are professionals at negotiating, and so are the owners. Players are not. This is not their avenue of success more times than not. Yeah, there's a few, you know, one every thousand players that might be good at some of these negotiating tactics or things like that. But as a whole, players play football, okay? And players the other issue here Mike that would just scare me is like players are pleasers like they, they want to please everybody in the organization they really are I want to play football I want my coach to like me because I play hard and do all those things and I perform in the field and the same feelings are for the owners and if the owner got in their ear in this type of things yeah I think they would make players bend to things where they would go two years down the road why the hell did I think of that or do that 
Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I mean, put yourself in that spot, Chris. If when you were playing for the Buccaneers, John Gruden brings you into the office and you think you're going to talk about the game plan or watch film, and he decides he wants to hammer out your contract right there, forget about the GM, forget about the agent. Let's just get this done. I mean, it should cause for any player who's in that spot the alarms to start blaring. Yes. You don't want to do that. You don't want to let yourself get influenced by that pressure because that's why you have an agent. You step away from the process so you don't have to deal with those people that you work for. Yeah. I, you, you know, the, the, the owners are masters of this. This is why they're successful business people. And it's not going to be like at like it at face value i would sure i'm sure a lot of things would look the same if a player negotiated his contract as compared to an agent where you'd go oh i mean Look at that number. That's such a big number. That's sexy. It's the little intricate details of a contract that the agent's worth, the protections, you know, the, the guarantees for injury, all of those little things that really a player is not going to be nuanced about where the agent really comes in handy. Yeah, the player knows the borderline, I want this much money and this much guaranteed, but it's all the other stuff that's really important, and that's the worth of the agent. All right, let's move along to the concept of replay review for pass interference. And there's a bunch of different angles here that we have talked about in recent weeks. One thing that really crystallized for me yesterday when talking to NFL Senior VP of Officiating Al River on the procedure for handling Hail Mary plays. Now, there was talk at one point about coming up with a formula for when it was a Hail Mary and when it's not some objective thing, how many yards, how many guys in the end zone. They've ultimately decided this. And, and Chris, I, I'm, I'm always a little nervous when – there's a procedure that isn't reflected in the rule book. And yeah, the procedure is right. they treat pass interference differently on Hail Mary plays. They just do. They tolerate contact there that you wouldn't tolerate during a normal play. But there's nothing in the rule book allowing that. And that in and of itself, because you want to know what the standard is. What's yeah. the rule? Well, it's just what we think it is. And it, it's just, you know, you know what when you see it. Well, sometimes you think you see it, but you don't see it. And sometimes you think you know it, but you don't know it. Yeah. But here's what I know. Al Riveron said yesterday that for Hail Mary plays that do have this different standard, that that different standard is going to be part of replay review. So this loose certain amounts of contact are okay on a Hail Mary play. That's the same standard that Al Riveron's going to apply. Easier said than done. Yes. Because it's one thing to be in the scrum and not pull your flag out in that moment. It's another thing to be watching the film after the fact, seeing the visual evidence, and maybe you see something, you say, hmm, you know, hmm, that yeah, crosses the right, line. Well, what right. line? We don't even know where the line is. No, we don't know the line. You're right. Um, and, and really, I mean, they're opening Pandora's box for a lot of public criticism with this type of stuff. I mean, they really are, because you're right. It's a Hail Mary. There could be, you know, eight, ten guys all in a mosh pit, right? And from the very def definition of PI in the rule book, there's a lot of pass interference that goes on in those type of situations. But I think what I get from Al Riveron and listen to him talk more than anything, it's going to have to be overly egregious in a Hail Mary type of situation for them to call it. Like literally a DB's going to have to jump on the back of a receiver and, you know, put him in a headlock or really pull the jersey to where we see a jersey like extend and go, oh my gosh, yeah, the guy can't jump. And the, we see a shoulder pad because the jersey's been pulled that far. I guess it's going to be those type of things. But you're right. We're going to watch replays and people are going to go, that's pass interference. That's pass interference. And Al Riveron's going to have to explain to people, not on a Hail Mary, and it's just going to cause criticism and uproar everywhere. 
And I hope that he can adhere to that higher bar when he is watching frame by frame. I've seen him explain some plays from last year that weren't called interference on the field that he claims would be called interference under this new standard. And it concerns me because I personally believe that the bar should be, as I've said before, what the hell? As in, if you see it and they don't throw the flag, what the hell's going on here? Right. It's got to be that blatant. And a lot of these plays, when he shows it, I can see why he says after the fact it's pass interference, but it's not so glaring and it's not so blatant that I think you should disregard the subjective judgment of the officials on the field. Yes. And in the Hail Mary setting, it's going to be even more of a challenge because he's going to see something in slow motion that the officials didn't see. And what's he going to do then? And how do you ensure consistency when, again, there isn't a rule? Where, what is it? You can't say you know it when you see it as the official rule book. And if that's the case, add a line in the rule book for Hail Mary plays. We will know them when we see them. And when Hail Mary plays happen, we will know what is permissible and what isn't. What, what kind, that's no way to run the National Football League. And I'm not saying I have a better suggestion, but I just I think it's dangerous to have no standard for spotting a Hail Mary play when you activate this looser standard and to have no articulated standard of what the looser standard is, Chris. And then on top of all of it, you're going to try to apply that standard to replay review. This has the potential to be a huge problem in the wrong game, high-profile regular season game, playoff game, Super Bowl. It's got the potential to be a nightmare for the NFL, bigger than the nightmare that has caused replay review to descend on pass interference. I, I agree. I think this can be – and, again, this is why I was not in favor of any of this. I really wasn't. I mean, it was uh, – I know it was a horrible mistake, but it was one in 53 years or – at least one in my lifetime that I can really look at and go, ooh, that was so horrible. I've never seen anything like that. Uh, and, uh, yes, I think in a lot of ways, you know, it, it's really the, the, the basic fan who just turns on football on Sundays and doesn't really pay attention to it and maybe is just a little bit of like a fantasy person. So I want to say maybe less than the basic fan is what I'm saying. You know, I think they're going to see a lot of plays like you're talking about where they're going to go, wait, um, this is being reviewed, and that looks like pass interference to me. And Ron, I mean, Al Riveron is going to err on the side of the judgment that was called on the field, and it's going to have to be overly egregious for him to overturn some of these plays. He's not just going to let like a hand on the shoulder go, oh, yep, that was pass interference. Yep, throw that flag out there. We're overturning that call. No, it, from what we've seen in the examples we've seen, it's going to have to be something really stunning even on replay to go, he definitely hindered uh, significantly the wide receiver trying to catch a football. Well, let's hope that's the case. Let's hope that this solution doesn't make the problem even worse than it was. All right, the NFL has a preseason problem in so far as the preseason is too long. And the linkage of shortening the preseason and expanding the regular season, diminishing the connection between shortening the preseason and expanding the playoffs, gaining momentum. Mark Maskey of the Washington Post had a story on Wednesday, Chris, that expanded playoffs a more likely replacement for part of the preseason than expanded regular season. We talked about expanded playoffs yesterday. I know you're not a fan of them, but you know one thing I want to make clear. The yeah. NFL has the ability to shrink the preseason anytime they want. They just don't want to do it without a way to offset the revenue they will lose. Of course not. And they, they seem to think they can expand the playoffs without the consent of the NFLPA. They're wrong on that, or they would have done it already. The NFL Players Association has to agree to the addition of games, even if it's only two more games. Now, I personally think if you're going to have extra games – 
in the wild card round and make the two seed play the seven seed who currently doesn't get in. I think the eight seed needs to be in and the one seed needs to play that weekend. I don't like the idea of only one team per conference getting a bye, making that advantage even stronger, making that one seed even more valuable, making the presumption even stronger that the one seed is going to the Super Bowl. I don't like that. I say if you're going to expand it, expand it to 16, make the one seed play wild card round, and uh, and have four extra wild card games, not two. Chris, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, I don't really necessarily like that. I don't. I mean, first off, then, you know, you're, I mean, what what's the why do you even want to be the one seed really? I mean, okay, I mean, I just uh, that's a great. Because you play the eight seed, and the eight seed's the worst team in the playoff. Field. Okay, great. I mean, so what? I mean, might some teams might go. Damn, it looks like the seven teams worse than the eight team. Let's let's be the two seed. You know, there's got to be some reward for winning the regular season more than just that itself. Uh, and I do think that I, I of course like the current status, and I don't like the no buy thing. No, that's yes, it's an advantage for the teams that have the bye. I get that. They've earned it by winning in the regular season and and now they get a week of rest to be at their absolute best. That's everybody else's fault. That's not their fault. So I don't necessarily like that. I would like to find, you know, if we're going to do it, I saw one explanation of maybe all four division winners get a bye on the first weekend and then the five through eights kind of play each other and then they figure out how to match and mix and match the next off uh, you know next round however it may be either way I don't want to see it before I confuse this situation but but, but wait 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 right. that's not going to create more games in the wild card round you're going to have more okay you're going to have five through eight in each conference play each other in the wild card round you still have the same number of games uh, yeah, no, I know it's but, not going to. It's still going to have the same number of games, but at least there's a reward for some teams to win their division and get a first round bye. I mean, I am in favor of that. First off, second of off, I don't want it anyways. That's oh, you're, wait, you're talking about an extra round, right? You're talking about ah, oh, oh, okay. So there would be there would be a pre wild card round where five through eight whittle them down to two teams, and then you start with the normal wild card round. Then the division, you know, it's an extra week of football. Here's the thing. It adds an extra week, and it pushes the Super Bowl one week closer to President's Day weekend, which the NFL which would wants, love right? to do. Yeah. And maybe maybe the ultimate end result here is two preseason games, 17 regular season games, and that five through eight extra round of the wild card, a pre-wild card round. I kind of like that. Uh, but then here's what happens. Yeah. Here's, here's what happens. The right. one and the two seed, Chris, end up getting – Two they buys, might get not two one. buys. Yes, I know. Yeah. And that I don't even know if that's a good thing either to have two weeks, weeks without not playing. playing. Game. I know that's yeah. scary. That's scary. So yeah, I mean, I guess I have to like, you know, work this through my brain a little. But also, what I'm scared of is just a watered down product to a degree, a little bit. You know, there's been years where I just go. You know, I know we've had years where the six seed's been phenomenal. We've seen the six seed win the Super Bowl, go to the Super Bowl, do all those things. And yes, but there's been other years where I think we all go, damn. The six seed, they stink. The five seed, they stink. They have no chance. So five, six, seven, and eight, I want to go. I don't even want to see them. This is a waste of time. And that's what I worry about, too, a little bit. So that's my thought. Yeah, you're letting half the league into the playoffs. How, yeah. how many is too many? And right. if you got 32 teams, is 16 too many? Uh, and and I, that's why I think if they do it, it's going to be 14. They're going to add two extra wild card games. They will be. And, and I think they, what they need to do is take advantage of Monday night play one of those wild card games on Monday night and make sure that whoever wins doesn't play until the following Sunday so they at least have 
you know, some rest right. before they play their next game or, or, or have that winner play the following Monday. But if they want to generate the revenue, the kind of revenue that's going to offset the loss of the preseason, they need to take full advantage of the primetime windows, and they're currently staying away from Monday night. They need to embrace Sunday night and Saturday night as much as they possibly can in the wild card round. All right, next up, we've talked a lot about Carly Lloyd and her aspiration to become a kicker in the National Football League. Keenan Allen had some pushback recently on Twitter, basically saying, yeah, it's all fine until there's a kick block, and then it's like the stampede scene from the Lion King. Uh, I, I, I don't like the presumption that Carly Lloyd's not going to be able to take care of herself because she's a woman. Look at some of the kickers over the years who have been required to take care of themselves in a difficult situation, whether it's Garo Yepremian, who had one of the most embarrassing moments of NFL history with that gaffe in Super Bowl VII when he decided to try to throw the ball when all hell broke loose. Right. Rich Carlos was running around out there without a shoe and a sock on one leg, and that was considered sufficiently safe. And then you got the Gramatica brothers, uh, you know, the, the celebration that tears the ACL. I mean, there have been plenty of unathletic Definitely. kickers who have to go run and hide uh, and take cover when all hell breaks loose on the football field. I don't know why that would be any different for Carly Lloyd. I, I mean, 100%. I mean, and, and Mike, you made the point during one of our commercial breaks because we talked about this for a second during the show today. You said, look at some quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I could point out a lot of quarterbacks where they might as well just lay down after they threw the interception. They're doing nothing. They're running down the field to make it look like they're going after somebody. But when it comes time to, like, take on the block or make the tackle, oh, they somehow miss or slip and, and fall. We don't, we and we don't want them to. No. We don't want – do you want Aaron Rodgers to sprint down the field to try to make the tackle and pull his hamstring? Not, if it, not unless it's the playoffs or the Super Bowl or, or a game to get into the playoffs, something like that. It has to be a big moment. You're right. The worth of his team – the his worth to the team is – far greater than him making that tackle and maybe getting hurt and then being done for the year. So I'm with you on this fight all the way. I don't even care if Carly Lloyd can, you know, field goal gets blocked. I mean, if she just falls down and sits there, fine. That's fine with me. I don't care. Most kickers, they're basically doing that anyways. They're just trying to please their coach by like, look, my arms are moving and my arm, my legs are moving. I'm running. Yeah, great. You're running. You're not trying to do anything. So uh, I'm with you. I, I'm not worried about that aspect of it. Think of how many teams right now are struggling to find a reliable kicker. If you can inspire soccer players who happen to be female to aspire to and train to become football kickers and maybe decide when they're eight years old, not when they're 37 like Carly Lloyd is, that this is something they want to do, you are expanding your pool of available talent because exactly. clearly there are females who can kick the hell out of a football. You may as well identify it nurture it get it in high school football college football and that's the way to do it and and that's why this carly lloyd thing is important because there are going to be girls coast to coast who see this and say i think i want to do that and i think i can do that and 20 years from now one of them will be doing that if not sooner Chris. yeah I, I i'm hoping so i hope it does go that way i think it would be good for the sport in a lot of different areas of course grow the sport maybe give a little more knowledge to people out there who are scared of football altogether to realize oh okay this isn't like as barbaric as i thought it is and you know not all these people are bad or jerks and yeah I, i'm with you i hope it happens i'm hoping carly lloyd goes for it next year i really am one last point. I want to tap into your John Gruden experience from your time in Tampa Bay. Gruden said earlier this week 
that he wants the team to take more vertical shots in the passing game this year. They've got better receivers. They've got a better line. And also there's that chance that you throw out the red challenge flag and even if the pass was incomplete, Al Riveron determines that there was defensive pass interference. How much of that is directed at the quarterback and how much pressure does it put on Derek Carr to deliver those deep balls that John Gruden wants. Yeah, I think it's totally directed at the quarterback. I mean, that to me and just my, you know, my thesaurus of cryptic John Gruden language, right? Basically what he's saying is we're not being aggressive enough in practice. I got these weapons called Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, and J.J. Nelson who can fly, and we got to stop worrying about completion percentage or, you know, taking the easy way out and hitting the four-yard shallow cross when Antonio Brown, you know, has got to step on a guy 50 yards down the field he wants it to be launched down there it's the name of the game right now I do think the day and age of like oh we're gonna dink and dunk and throw three and four yard passes we're seeing it kind of go away and I know the Saints are getting away with it the Saints are special Sean Payton's special they also have one of the best O-lines in football in a run game that helps all that too with the Taysom Hill package but for everybody else and you've heard me say this before other than turnovers, the number one play that dictates winning and losing games is plus 20-yard plays, explosive plays in a football game. And I think that's where John Gruden sees it. Defenses have gotten used to, you know, all these short passes, these wide receiver screens, bubble screens, all of those things. That's why Seattle's defense became so popular. It took away all of that crap. So now I think we're seeing a little bit of an old-school mentality. And I, I will say I think Derek Carr has been a little bit – less aggressive the last few years. And I'm sure John Gruden sees that, and he's trying to kind of push him into that, into that mode. And I really do think that, that uh, this is the year that Derek Carr has to become the guy that John Gruden is comfortable with, or next year we're going to be talking about someone else playing quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. This is the test when they are the Las Vegas Raiders next year. Yeah. All right, that's it for this Thursday, PFTOT. Chris Enjoy your birthday. Is there, Are you doing a Chris Sims unbutton today? I am. I'm going to do that here in a little bit. So, uh, oh, that, yeah, look forward to uh, NFC over-unders. We're going to talk some ball and uh, even dive into a little Notre Dame and college football just a little bit today. Since the big effort wasn't there when you were born, is he going to be involved in your birthday edition of Chris Sims Unbutton? Nope, he's not. He's got to go on the road and do something for CBS, so uh, he cannot come on today. I'm just hoping I get – knowing my dad – I'll get a phone call like 1130 tonight going, hey, ha happy birthday. That's how my dad usually works. <laughs> He'll remember around 11 o'clock tonight that it was my birthday. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, happy birthday. Have a great day, buddy. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, man. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.